Welcome to The Heart Podcast, a Christian podcast featuring sermons from the Greater Hartford Church of Christ and impromptu episodes covering a wide variety of topics. We hope you enjoy. He had him right there. He had him right there. And Adam and Eve, I 
Come on back. Come on back. And what we're about to read is about God trying to bring the disciples of 1 John to try to bring them back. And I learned a lesson about I'm going to share in a minute, but uh, about that, how we read the Bible. Well, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Verse 1. The spirit of Christmas. Dear friends, I'm going to read the whole chapter. There's so much meat in here, but I can get to all of it. First John chapter 4 says, Dear friends, do not, be, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world, have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges, uh, or in other translations, and primarily uh, in the Greek, if we not acknowledge, we confess. Uh, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come to the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus does not come from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. Remember, we talked about that uh, a few weeks ago, about what the Antichrist is. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome that. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world uh, listens to them. We are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. And whoever knows, uh, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. And uh, as we read, uh, the entire book of 1 John was, trying, was written to Christians and it was trying to get them back because they were drifting away. Uh, they were beginning to be deceived by people called Gnostics who were doubting the divinity of Jesus. Uh, and basically they were, uh, they were being used by Satan to bring about doubt in God's people. And so the people begin to uh, drift, from, uh, drift away. And so uh, as John is writing, the church is talking about this the spirit of the Antichrist and recognizing the spirit and says any spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ as Lord confesses Jesus Christ as Lord that's how you know the spirit of truth and he goes on about those who don't listen to us and here he's talking about people who do not listen to the word they don't listen to Jesus uh, because they were literally preaching the gospel of Jesus and this is important for us uh, as we talk about the spirit of Christmas we have to, as he talks about here, we've got to test the spirits. Uh, the, the word really in Greek is about trying to spirit. Uh, for those of you that may have grown up in certain neighborhoods on the street, uh, you, may, you may have used the phrase, oh, they, try, they tried me. Have you guys heard that before? They tried me. We, they tested me. Uh, they tried to push me, push my buttons. Uh, it, it's it. You've got to test the spirits. There are, there's so much information going on in the world right now. It is so easy to be deceived. You guys with me? Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to ask you guys a quick trivia question. Is there more information and more opportunities to be deceived today? Or were there at this time in the scripture? It's the same. And less people say, my
example uh, he uses there was a god uh, Molech in the Old Testament. It's a huge guy with huge hands, and what they would do is uh, these big uh, uh, bronze or iron hands, and would have God would have his hands out like this, and they would have a fire underneath the tent, and they would, they would just fill it up now. So the hands would get black hot, and they would sacrifice their children, infants, to Molech. And the reason they would do this was for money, so they would get prosperity. And in this book, to tell the blackness, what we do today with our careers and our jobs, where we spend hours and hours and hours doing overtime and all this extra stuff away from our families, and we sacrifice our marriages, we sacrifice our kids for money. But the thing is, that same spirit is alive today. That same spirit that was back pre-Christ, that same spirit's here today. The same evil spirits are around, and we've got to test the spirits, because there's a lot of stuff that sounds really good. There is a great American uh, philosopher who had a quote. Some of you will be able to finish this quote. When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. That sounds really good, doesn't it? Right? Like, man, someone, they cross you, or they, you, you don't feel good about someone, and they do something, hey, you should believe them the first time. They show you who they are. They're never going to change. Now, for the Christian, is that true? Is that true? We're always changing. We're always growing, being reformed. So the stuff that I may have preached five years ago, ten years ago, there's some stuff. I will not listen to any lesson that I gave 20 years ago. I've been preaching a long time. I won't even listen because my understanding of God and my understanding of Scripture has grown so much. My heart may have been wrong, may have been right, but man, was my application incorrect. You guys with me? But guess what? So your stuff has been wrong too. All of us, we grow, but we use that. We, we listen to these spirits out of the world, and it sounds like wisdom. It sounds right. Now there's this whole idea, this whole idea about uh, toxic relationships and toxic people. Inject that toxicity out of your mind. But what does Jesus say? What does the spirit of Jesus say? What would, where would we be if Jesus injected? The toxic relationship out of his life. There would be an empty church here. No preacher, no singing. There's no us. We're the toxic ones. But yet, God reaches out to us. God loves us, forgives us. He says, We've got to test the spirits. What Christmas is all about, and the spirit is that God gave his son. God gave his son. I thought David did a masterful job last week for uh, his, his Christmas lesson. And he says that it wasn't Jesus died not to bring, uh, not to, uh, uh, to save lost people, but to, be, to make dead people live. And I thought about that. The spirit of Jesus, the spirit of God is all about giving and loving. And he literally he literally said, I am going to become like you. I'm going to lower myself and be humiliated 
in the flesh. And what I thought, you know, you guys understand how humiliating it would be to go from God to flesh? Like, to have somebody have to wipe your rear end, change the diaper, to have to brush your teeth. Well, they didn't have toothbrushes back then. Jesus probably didn't have all the teeth. Anyway, side note. But to have bad breath, to have to go to the restroom, to get sick. Like the, the literal indignity of humanity that Jesus had undergone, just so he could say, I can. I can. I understand. And that's the spirit of Jesus. He didn't come in an urban assault vehicle, he actually came in a VW bug. <laughs> You guys don't know what earth is all. Imagine a hummer. But that's what he came in. That was his spirit that he came with. And it says, how do we recognize? This is how we recognize the spirit. I'm sorry, verse 6. We are God, we are from God. And whoever knows how to listen to us, whoever is not from God, does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit truth, the spirit of falsehood. When we look at the scriptures, how we recognize and try the spirit, it has to be in agreement with God. And this is invisible. We talked about this a few weeks ago. And he basically repeats the same thing. You go to chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3. He's repeating the same thing uh, because it's hard for us to is to understand the discipline of being able to distinguish between God's spirit and the spirits in the world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 11, Second uh, Corinthians 12 says that, that uh, Satan masquerades as an angel of light. And he says, so do his servants. And so, we'll hear some, there's all this kind of, all this stuff about the world, we'll hear it, and it sounds really good, but it doesn't match up scripturally. There's all these philosophies, even ways to do ministry, that sound good and feel comfortable, but they're not really good. And we've got to be able to go back to the Bible and say, okay, what did Jesus do, and how did he do it? One of the hardest things, as a minister, is making sure Bring everything on back to the world. Because we're like, hey, how do we get young people engaged? How do we help mature people stay engaged? How do we do all this stuff? And there's all these ideas of how to make that happen. And you've got all these books and all these things that are out there. And the one, one of the biggest things is it always is going to come right back to the Bible. There is no other way. And so if the spirits that we're listening to, they don't have to then it's not the spirit of Jesus. Amen? He goes on verse 7. Dear friends, let us not love one another. Oh, let us not love one another. You know what spirit that was. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not know God, Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. Amen. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to what? We ought to what? Love one another. We ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we 
is in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet yeah, hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has seen that, and he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. So I gotta ask a quick question. Is there any wiggle room in God's directive for us to love each other? Is there any wiggle room in there? It sounds pretty declarative, doesn't it? Pretty definitive. He says, if you don't love your brother, you can't love God. If you don't love your brother, there's no way you can say you love God. If you haven't loved a man and love God who you haven't seen, how can you say you love her? If you haven't seen your brother, if you can't love your brother who has how can you say you love God who you haven't seen? It don't work that way. And if we're made in his image and likeness, we're his children, and we don't love each other? How can you say you love him? I will tell you. Uh, if, and actually, I, I don't have to tell you anything. Uh, any parents, all, all the parents in here, if somebody disrespects your child, how, how, how quick do you go from zero to 100? <laughs> Especially dads with daughters. Maybe moms with sons, I don't know. But there is nothing that will get you hotter than someone disrespecting your child. Do you know where that comes from? That, that heat, where your temperature and your heartbeat rise? Do you know where that comes from? That comes from God. Even if your child's in a knucklehead, then you're knucklehead. They're not anybody else's. And that's why God says in James, or it says in Romans, and also actually it says in Romans at the very end. He says, hey, be careful. He goes, who are you to judge someone else's servant? He says, stop judging someone else's servant. Wait here. Here's the thing that we've got to grasp. <laughs> it's a real challenge for us to love each other. One of the, there, there's a television show, I was talking to my wife about this television show, very, very popular. And this, there's a, a theme in, in television shows that happened, started happening years ago. Have you guys ever, uh, and I don't want to mention the show, but it's, anyway. But there is no good person on the show. You know when you have like a protagonist and all that? There is no good person. It's like finding Waldo. Like, where's Waldo? There is not one good person in the whole show. Like, everybody's an anti-hero. Like, they're all bad. And, I, I, and it's, it's humongously popular show, and I'm like, why do people watch the show? And there, there are two reasons I believe people watch the show. People watch it because there's judgment porn there. Judgment porn. And what I mean by that is, you get to look at every person, and you're like, oh my gosh, they're horrible. Oh my God, you get to pick all the different parts of the people. There's cowards, there's liars, there's adulterers, there's all these people. And you get to just judge, judge, judge. And guess what? And you're right, because they're all bad. They're all bad. And people like to judge other people. Do you know why we love to judge other people? Oh, man, it's like the wind beneath our wings. Our little angel wings. 
the show is you get to watch people do things and say things that you want to say to yourself that you never would. You get to watch them and you got to live through them like, oh, that would be awesome to be able to say that to some person. They really deserve it. It's all bad. Yeah, here's the thing. Here's the thing. All, and that's a whole other spirit in the world, but here's the thing about it. It's all the opposite of love. And that seeps in right here with us. Is we like to judge each other. He's talking about that there. He's like, hey, you've got to love because God loved us. If God judged us the way we judge each other, where will we be? God believes, you know, in 1 Corinthians it says that love always hopes. Do you guys understand what benefit of the doubt is? Like, if you want to have a healthy relationship, we did this exercise with the staff and we talked about what would a church that is filled with grace look like? And one of the things was it'd be filled with benefit of the doubt. And I'm going to tell you, brothers, right now, we've got to, and, and we're going to have to love one another more than we ever have. And I'll, I'll tell you one of the big things. Uh, for those of you online, I don't know which camera, whichever one camera you got on the uh, Here's the thing. When we come to service, and there are people that are here, there are people that are traveling, there are people all over, and people not feeling comfortable because they've got small children or whatever, and our biggest temptation is to judge. It's to be like, oh, where are they at? Why are they here? I, I don't know. God knows. God knows, and God's got to deal with it. That's not our role. But we've got to, if we're concerned, we've got to reach out. We've got to look, hey, are you all right? Do you need anything? Do you have anything I can do? Oh, let me tell you what happened here today. Uh, whatever. Whatever we can do, but reach out and love because that's what God does with us. And again, and if there are people that, that aren't at service because it's just more convenient, oh, that's probably that's just too late. I just, you know, I got things to do. You know, I want to go to movies. I don't want to go to lunch, whatever. I'll catch the service later. Guess what? They got to work that out with the Lord. They're going to work it out with God. It's not our role to be detected. It's not our role to be judged and joined. It's our role to love our brothers. Again, some of that may be to hold accountable, right? To encourage, to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. But we've got to love one another. And that's very, very difficult. I want to, uh, I'm going to share something about I want to uh, read something. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter uh, 18. I'm reading a book right now, and there are, you know, there are books that are encouraging and they give you some new ideas. And then there are books that literally just slap you in the face. And I got slapped in the face a few times this week. And I'll share some things that I'm learning about the Bible, about loving. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Matthew 18, verse 21. So then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? That's an interesting question, right? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Not, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or 70 times seven times. That's a lot of forgiveness, isn't it? Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to settle, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was 
As I'm reading this, it was the first time I was reading that, I'm listening to uh, this book, Unoffendable. And I realized, like, wow, I've got a lot of the unmerciful servant in me. That's right here in my heart. And it impedes our ability to love. And here's the challenge, church. You've got to ask yourself the question, how much of the unmerciful servant is in you? We can do it with our kids. We can do it in our marriages. We can do it with our roommates, co-workers. We want them to get what they deserve, but when we look at God, God, please have mercy. Because we believe that the integrity, we, we believe that our hearts are somehow morally uh, superior. We're more sincere than anybody else. And we don't forgive. And what is it? And, and what did Jesus say? This is how my heavenly Father will treat you. Yikes! And over and over the Bible says if we don't forgive, guess what? We will not be forgiven. Jesus came. The whole idea of Christmas is that Jesus came to offer forgiveness. No way. Knowing that we were going to, God gave his son, knowing we were going to mistreat that little baby. When Herod tried to have him killed, he was defenseless. Herod tried to have him killed at the very beginning. And then over and over and over again. But God said, I love you. And I know you're not going to respond the right way at the right time, and even for the right reasons all the time. But here I am. We see it with the apostles. Peter's like, do I need to forgive him seven times? He's like, no. Seventy times, seven times. Peter's like, look, I, I, I think I can get seven going. But that's it. And God was like, Jesus, I'm sure, was like, Peter, you just offended me seven times in the past hour. But yet, I'm here with you. I'm feeding you. I'm loving you. I'm serving you. I'm spending time with you, praying with you. So the challenge for us, brothers and sisters, as we have entered this season, we've got to really examine how much, uh, uh, where our love is at for love. Amen? And here's the thing. we got tons of great examples of loving people. Uh, the Hartford Church is known for their love and care and concern. But here's my thing. Uh, it doesn't matter how good a shape you're in, we can always do a little bit better than God, right? I can say confidently, none of us have reached Jesus' status in our life. Can I get an amen on that? Uh, if you don't, if you think you reached Jesus' status, come on up. Let me try to offend you, and we'll see uh, how it works out. I think I can fix you. But no, all of us we can grow in our love. First Thessalonians, Paul committed the church of Thessalonica, and he said, he said, uh, he told them, um, "Look, you're, you're known for your love." Do so more and more. Amen? And brothers and sisters, as we enter a new year, as we enter a new era, it's going to be incumbent upon us to show the world love. I was listening to a quote, uh, I forgot who, oh, I know. It was a quote uh, from this book called Discipleship. And the guy, uh, he said, you know, when the night is the darkest, the scholars shine the brightest. And in this very dark world, with all this stuff going on, just as it we have the opportunity in a very dark world to shine the spirit of love in the world. And it becomes more and more clear who God's people are because they love. Uh, last quote from what we've done. 
I have this book. It says, you know, the, the church is not about people loving their friends, but it's really about we in the church actually are loving our enemies. It's not about a group of friends loving each other, but it's a group of enemies choosing to love one another. And that's what God did. He chose us. He chose to love us. And we have the responsibility and response to the cross and response to his love. He said, God loved us, so we must love one another. It was declarative. There was no like, well, you should probably think about it. If you're comfortable with it, maybe you can love one another. Maybe. No. You must. And if you're gonna, we're going to call ourselves by his name, then that's what, that's what we'll do. Amen? I pray that your Christmas is great. And I share this in a lot as we meet up with family members, and I know there are family dynamics, you can't control how anyone responds to God's love. It's our responsibility just to love. So if you guys meet with your families and all that stuff, remember the reason in the spirit of Christmas is the spirit of truth. It's the spirit of God's love in us. Let that shine with your families. Guess what? You're probably going to get offended and somebody's probably going to disrespect you or whatever. You can still love. God loves you. Amen. Let's stand up. We've got one more song. We're done. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Heart Podcast. To learn more about the Hartford Church of Christ, visit us online at hartfordchurch.org.